You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. We do have a lot of older folks that are on board, people that um, that remember Harlan County, what went on in Harlan County. Uh, like I say, like I say to people, the legacy of bloody Harlan continues for a lot of people. From the Work Stoppage Podcast, we'll hear from Matt, a worker organizer at Amazon's SDF1 facility in Campbellsville, Kentucky. James Huntsville, you're up. What are you hating on? I'm hating on Dale. Um, I was trying to think of the words to describe this fellow, but it's your left-wing liberal union fanatical idiot on Saturday morning show talking <laughs> smack about Yaffe, which I think is unethical and unprofessional. Why are some people trying to censor the Valley Labor Report? We'll find out on today's show. If you pay people $20 an hour, you just ended poverty. Do you know the government spends $30 an hour for every person in poverty to give them less than $10 an hour? Jerome Alman talks with My Labor Radio about his plan to unify workers behind an app that publishes crucial information on the realities of corporate America. It's also important for people to understand that undocumented students don't have access to federally funded aid. This new program that they're introducing is important because it provides an equal playing field. Advocates for undocumented students explain DC Achieves, a program that grants scholarships for undocumented students in higher education. If a company is closing down a call center here in the United States and sending that work overseas, right? well, they're not eligible for federal contracts or loans. They go to the end of the list. And again, that's just a common sense kind of uh, American worker first idea that everyone agrees with. But getting it passed has been just entirely, uh, entirely too frustrating. Host Charles and James kick back and talk about life, labor and living on Labor Vision the podcast from the Michigan AFL-CIO. Stress, burnout, workplace bullying, these are the effects of the consumerist factors. And these appear because we have mismanaged excessive workloads, time pressure, conflicting demands and lack of full clarity. Finally, from the European Trade Union Institute's podcast, what are psychosocial risks or PSRs? They're increasingly affecting workers in industries across Europe with effects that can be long lasting and have both physical and psychological impacts on workers' lives, including depression, musculoskeletal disorders, or burnout. A quick word before we get to the show. This is your network, and we're building it like a union organizing campaign, one show, and one listener at a time. Please help us build this sonic solidarity by sharing this show. Just click on the share button. Thanks so much. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Here's the show. everyone we've got a really cool preview for you uh, if you'd like the whole thing you can go to patreon.com slash work stoppage so what were the first steps that you took in in trying to get people interested in the actual organizing of a union at this facility i wanted to make this process very holistic one of the things that that really opened my eyes to this were the working conditions and specifically 
the working conditions that management will just turn a blind eye to, and they will hold you to the same expectation despite this barrier. And I volunteered to be on the, um, it's called Gimba. It's, it's a process improvement path where you basically go, you get a little bit of training and then you go and survey employees. You take notes on what their issues are, safety related issues, job related concerns. And then you relay, you relay that to management. You make a presentation about it. And all of these managers hear what you have to say. And then they're supposed to make a project, an action plan to get that done. But what I noticed is that no matter how many employees I got to confess their issues and all this, not, nothing was changing. No matter how much I stayed on management about it. I fought with management all the time, giving them constant reminders that these issues are continuously happening. That, that there was an old lady, um, you, you've heard about the overstuffing of bins at Amazon. Mm -hmm. So like, imagine, imagine you have a dresser that has about four drawers and you put way too many clothes in that drawer. What does it do? It makes it really hard to open. It makes it really hard to find the, the, the article of clothing that you want. And, um, Part of that will be a safety issue where you're going to be trying to jerk it open, essentially. Um, and imagine your dresser is made out of cardboard. So maybe you jerk it open a little, a little bit too hard and it breaks or, you know, you have it stuck and you just can't open it at all. Um, so there was an old lady who pulled her hip out of place trying to open, open a bottom bin. So... All, all the ones on top of it were overstuffed and the one on the bottom was also overstuffed. So she had to bend over and try to open that. And yeah, she, she had a hip surgery and everything. And, uh, she's still on workers compensation for it to this day. Damn. Wow. That's, that's terrible. Uh, I know one of the things that I'd also read that I, th I think is, it w was an issue at, at your facility. I know that I've seen it from so many other Amazon workers around the country. It's one of the things that I know the the workers that are organizing under uh, cause and at the Garner North Carolina facility have mentioned. But um, the heat in the warehouses that is one of those things that I've heard is a continual problem and that Amazon has been told this over and over and over again, where you have workers who don't have enough time to get have water breaks because of all the the discipline from from management. And yet they're not providing AC for anybody. So has that been like a, a big issue for you guys as well? Uh, yes. And especially because we're at a very old site, mm. you need to understand that this is considered a legacy site by Amazon. Basically they use it as a backup. They use it mostly for apparel returns. I think um, only 2% of the total inventory is non-apparel. Um, oh, wow. And so, you know, Jeff Bezos was back here working back in the day. Um, not, not as a regular employee, obviously, but um, some of the elders at this site, the people who have been here for 21 years, stuff like that, because they opened their doors in 1999. Um, 
So some of these people, they remember Bezos and some of the other executives that would come around every once in a while. Um, and golly, th those people remember when it was sweltering in here all the time, when, when the heat index at the site would regularly, uh, surpass a hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Wow. And now it's not quite as hot with the HVAC, the fans, the water coolers and all that stuff. But what good is that if, if when you need to take a water break and drink a few cups of water and, and stay around for a little bit and catch your breath, um, what good is that if you can't even use the water cooler without it being counted against you? What has the reception to your organizing efforts been from your fellow workers? Like, what's the general tone uh, among the workers at the facility, specifically with regards to uh, potential unionization? So here it is uh, mostly the young people that are really interested in the union stuff. Um, and conversely, we do have a lot of older folks that are on board, people that um, that remember Harlan County, what went on in Harlan County. Uh, like I say, like I say to people, the legacy of bloody Harlan continues for a lot of people. Um, we even have a guy on a organizing committee. He He grew up in Eastern Kentucky and he worked at non-union coal mines and unionized coal mines. And he saw the difference. And he tells people this, the difference between working conditions at these places. And, you know, um, the only people that are really hostile towards it at our site are the elders, the Amazon veterans, the people that have been here since the doors opened, the people that have been here um, 10, 11, 15 years, stuff like that, because it, it's a very odd thing about tenure at this site. So you do have the people who have been there forever, the dinosaurs, um, <laughs> you know, so they, they saw, um, management's improving working conditions, semi-progressively over a long time, moving at a snail's pace. So they remember when there was no HVAC and no fans, nothing like that. And then they remember when they did add those, when they did make those additions. And so they think that management has their best interest at heart. Um, mm. They remember when they were making uh, less than $10 an hour. And then all of a sudden in 2018, they got raised up to $15 as the minimum. But these people also remember when their stocks got taken away, when mm -hmm. their um, variable, comp variable compensation plans got taken away. That, that was actually when Amazon would incentivize you to go above and beyond. That was the Work Stoppage Podcast. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. If we ain't all free, ain't none of us free. You're listening to Alabama's only union talk radio show, the Valley Labor Report with Adam Keller and Jacob Morrison. Hello, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator Adam Keller. And we are broadcasting live online and on the radio from the heart of the Tennessee Valley, the Spice Radio Studio in Huntsville, Alabama. Today, Folks want to cancel us, but we're not going anywhere. So next up, we wanted to talk to you about this because it is incredibly funny. Um, 
I regret to inform you uh, <laughs> that we have been informed that the politically correct mob is after us. Oh, no. We've got some snowflakes out there that want to get us banned, that want to get us kicked off the radio or have us compelled to tow a certain line. Really? Yes. This is uh, some pretty serious stuff here, I think. So, Adam, let's go ahead and we'll just we'll just let the uh, we'll just let the calls for censorship speak for itself. Let's play that call. James Huntsville, you're up. What are you hating on? I'm hating on Dale. Um, I was trying to think of the words to describe this fellow, but it's your left wing liberal union fanatical idiot on Saturday morning show talking <laughs> smack about Yaffe which I think is unethical and unprofessional, and he's a jerk, and I'd like to see what you think about it. What was he saying about Yafster? He was saying he was a terrible person, and he's pushing Christianity on people, and he's totally whacked out and full of crap and everything else. Well, I'll tell you I this. I could have used a few other words to describe the guy, but he's a jerk, idiot. <laughs> He may be. Let me ask you this. Would you prefer that I uh, mandate what my host on this radio station says? Yeah. So there you go. If you didn't catch that last part, Dale Jackson, uh, host of the Dale Jackson Show on the same radio station that we're on here in Huntsville, asked the guy, would you like it if I mandated what my host said? And the guy was like, you know what? Yeah. So um, so there we go, folks. Uh, the mob, the cancel culture, it's coming after us. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was uh, just left-wing liberal fanatics such as you, yeah. Jacob, that engaged in such behavior. Yeah, well, I guess not. I guess not. Uh, the allegations were that we called a Yaff- we called Yaffe, Yafster, a terrible person. That is not true. We did no such thing. Uh, the Another allegation was that we said he wants to push Christianity on people, uh, which is true. Um, if he does, he, and that is true that we said that. He yes, uh, it, and and you could you could gather that uh, just by listening to the Yaffe program uh, that he wants to push Christianity on people. Um, it's pretty evident. We said that he is full of crap. I don't know that we use that exact phrase, but I'm happy to I'm happy to say that that, that Yaffe is full of crap. Um, we'll let the record show mostly true. We will let the record show mostly true, <laughs> if uh, if at least by implication, uh, and that we said Yaffe is totally quote totally whacked out. Um, again, I don't know if we use those words. We can we can say uh, mostly true by implication, <laughs> um, and <laughs> um, uh, but we did not call Yaffe a terrible person. I think that people can have terrible politics and be individually. Extremely nice people, which I have had every indication that Yaffe fits this bill, that he is an extremely nice person on uh, individual level, uh, that he would, you know, that, that he's never going to, you know, be rude to you or, you know, or, or be super... Uh, super hateful to you individually. I'm sure he can have, you know, I'm sure he's nice to like his children or whatever, if he has any. And, and, and his he's wife. always been pleasant he's when he's been, been on pleasant this with show. Us. I've never had any, any individual, but, uh, uh, and so, you know, whatever, like, I, but, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, that doesn't mean that his politics and his prescriptions are not uh, tyrannical and bad. 
And so we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about that if we feel like it. And we did. We're heading into overtime. You can find us online on YouTube and Facebook. Just search The Valley Labor Report on YouTube or Facebook. You can leave us a voicemail at 844-899-TVLR. You can buy our hat or give us money on our website, tvlr.fm. And now, here's your next episode of My Labor Radio. Thanks for joining us. This is Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. I think we got a really interesting show for you today. I want you to think about it from the perspective of someone who's got a big job to do and how they're going to tackle it. Let's get right to my interview with Jerome Allman from his website, gigpayrevolt.com. The app is for the larger union to follow yeah. the model that the Europeans use, uh, mm-hmm. particularly in Denmark, where yeah, you have right. over half the population in, in one union. Right, the population, right. not workers, but the population. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we're bringing in everybody, the students, the veterans, fast food workers, everybody yeah. in so that we have all the power we need to exercise it because right now, corporate America and the politicians are robbing us blind. And that's why we have the app and the website coming where you get the information unfiltered. This right. is the, the thing. Americans, it's difficult for Americans to get this. But the media never tells the truth. Independent media does. Corporate media never tells the truth. They tell what makes them money. They decide the stories you're going to hear, too. And that's a huge difference. As I say, it's not what they tell you that's a lie that does you in. It's what they don't tell you that's the truth. Mm -hmm. That's what gets you. Yeah, very true. So. That's why we're putting out the information. If you pay people $20 an hour, you just ended poverty. Do you know the government spends $30 an hour for every person in poverty to give them less than $10 an hour? Also in childhood hunger in America, 25% of American kids go to bed hungry every night. Mm -hmm. So you end that. You could give three meals a day in school, 365 days a year. This is what the Japanese do. The -hmm. Japanese, you must get fed in school, okay? Breakfast, lunch, and you're getting something on the way out the door, on the way out. That's right. And and on holidays, well, here goes a food card, right? Right. Then this is the other thing that's beautiful out of this. Healthcare, biggest scam going. People think emergency rooms cost all the money. It's not emergency room. 90% of the American healthcare bill comes from eight diseases which six are caused by what we eat, drink, and smoke. So if you start kids off with the healthy meal from preschool on, they don't develop those diseases like diabetes, heart disease, so on and so forth that really cost all the money. Right now you have teenagers that are having the uh, chronic diseases that were usually only seen in 50-year-olds. Go Mm -hmm. ask a doctor, right? Right. Right. So right now we spend four trillion a year on healthcare. Automatically, that bill drops by seventy-five percent. Remember two two twenty-five? Right. Every two trillion is twenty-five thousand dollars. Two workers didn't get right. right. Yeah. You just cut that bill by three trillion dollars. So that's another thirty-seven thousand dollars that gets split up for workers. Right. right? And again. Because 70% of the economy is consumer spending, 
everybody benefits. Yeah. Everybody benefits, right? right? All of that money allows free college, cancellation of all student debt, cancellation of all medical debt, right? Mm-hmm. All of that disappears. Now, when you have people making $20 an hour plus not paying that, they're clearing a couple is clearing $80,000 a year. They're able to literally save one of those entire salaries. It's just as that simple. Breaking it down like that, it makes it so simple to listen to. Totally understandable. The app is being built in Germany. The app is extremely unique. The, a matter of fact, the Germans refer to it originally as the Facebook killer. Now they call it the social media killer. They love said it. there's no way social media can survive that app. I love that. I love yep. that. Do you have release dates, thoughts towards release dates? Are you kind of picturing where this is headed as it out rolls out? Yes. My favorite uh, month, September slash October. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yep. No, that's great. You have to be that broad right now because when it drops, it's going to drop. It's going to be crazy. I can see this coming. Fantastic talking to you, sir. Thank you very Same much. Here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much, sir. Solidarity. Bienvenidos. Welcome to El Cafecito del Día, brought to you by the Labor Council for Latin American Advancement. This week, we'll be sharing this cafecito with Nardi Velasquez and Iter Mercado, the co-community outreach coordinators for Undocumason. This is a student-led organization and supporting undocumented students at George Mason University. As we all know, pursuing higher education is often not attainable for everyone, especially undocumented students. Currently, these students residing in the D.C. District are not eligible for D.C. Tuition Assistance Grant, known as D.C. TAG, or Federal Pell Grants. Undocumation works to change that by creating a more inclusive environment for undocumented immigrants through education and advocacy. So without further ado, buenos dias, Nagli and Ethan. Thank you for joining us today. Of course, for student higher education is not cheap. The national average tuition can range from 10K to 21 for in-state public institutions. Earlier this year, legislation was co-sponsored by council members called the DC Advancing College. Hopes for improved education and vocational enrichment scholarships, also known as DC Achieve. This bill proposes to allocate around 17,000 per student. However, the opposition was concerned about how this would affect students who receive federal support from DC TAG. Knowing this, how have undocumented students cope with financial costs? And how do you think DC Achieves, if implemented, would help relieve some of the burdens these students are facing. My understanding that DC Achieve would provide an amount equivalent to DC TAG. It's important that people know that DC TAG is federally funded. It's not available to undocumented students. It's also important for people to understand that undocumented students don't have access to federally funded aid. This new program that they're introducing is important because it provides an equal playing field to those who have access, especially to those who demonstrate the need for financial aid. Undocumented students often seek different merit-based scholarships. Through DC Achieve, it would be a universal program which would assist everyone with this sort of stress and relief because many undocumented students are not aware of these resources available to them as it can be very difficult due to general limitations regarding information and awareness. Lastly, what can we do, especially within the Latin community, to help support undocumented students and fight for the program rights, such as DACA? I guess the main thing is just to raise awareness. In my case, to use 
my privilege as a citizen to those who can't, those who don't have their green card or ways to raise awareness would be like donating, tabling, canvassing to promote organizations, to attend rallies, all that kind of stuff. I know for Undocumation, we table a lot. So we have our big trifold, we bring all our awards, we bring the people, we bring people who know English and Spanish. So we can be more inclusive, not only within the George Mason campus, but within local high schools as well. Yes, providing different vocational seminars and information to touch this canvas and helping others who are not of undocumented status learn about the struggles of the undocumented community and pass it on to those that know and trust them. In regards to high school, it is very important to do outreach to local high schools because I myself can admit that I was not aware of the undocumented resources available to members of that community. As a U.S. citizen, it is definitely still my privilege to provide word and spread word of these resources available to them. Exactly. And what do you think the government is getting wrong about these undocumented students? I feel like the government is getting inclusivity wrong. It's just important for the government to understand that we are all equally capable in our different strengths. People are raised in different areas that did not with the, sim with the same level of education. And because of that, it just shouldn't restrict the solely citizens to receive some of the advantages that other people don't. Natalie and Ethan, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you and hearing about the struggles and experiences of undocumented students at George Mason University. LACLA prides itself on representing the Latinx community regardless of status. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed learning more about the pursuit of higher education. Y te deseamos un feliz día. Welcome to the Labor Vision Podcast. I am your host, James Dennis, and the other host is Charles Daniels, the official podcast of the Michigan State AFL-CIO. Charles, what's happening with you, with you, man? Back in the saddle again, Jimmy. I'm doing excellent. How are you, my friend? Man, you know what? I gotta get these um I gotta get these um things going because you know I hit this one by accident just now. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I like I like I like that my intro starts off with a hell no, you know. Uh, story of my life. I'm sitting here like I'm like, oh god, I thought the applause because you know what the applause used to be there. And mm -hmm. I moved it up because I thought it would be more convenient. And it's just like, oh, well, I need to put it back. That's all right. We're getting ready to get a new board anyway, so it doesn't matter. All of this stuff is going out the window. This is probably the last time we record on this board. So uh, it is it is it has served us well. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. A lot of great interviews on that board. Yeah, we have. We have, my bro brother. We have. Charles, you just came back from the legislative conference for CWA's Communication Workers of America, correct? Yes. So we're both members of, of CWA, Communications Workers of America, and we had our, our president's meeting and also our legislative conference down in D.C. about two weeks ago. And it was awesome. We had so many amazing speakers. We had Nancy Pelosi. We had Sherrod Brown. We had Tom Perez. We had Marty Walsh, just name after name that came in and wow. they were all fired up and energized and just talking about workers and how important things are right now to make sure the collective bargaining is at the forefront and that when workers succeed, the country does better. So it was cool being there and interacting with those folks. When you was in D.C., did, did they tell you any of the, the builds that they're trying to pass or anything that that they're trying to push through that they're, well, we always having difficulty pushing through. Is it, do they have any like new call center bills or anything like that that's getting ready to come up? 
They, they do, and uh, I appreciate you mentioning it because you know it's my baby, right? The the United States Call Center Consumer Workers and Consumer Protection Act. Pardon me, because it's been introduced so many times, it's hard to remember it. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and yes, essentially, what it says is that if you pick up the phone and you call a company to talk about the service that you're using here in the United States, and someone picks up the phone somewhere else, if you want to be transferred back to the United States, you have the option to ask. Right? right. And then also, if a company is closing down a call center here in the United States and sending that work overseas. Right. Well, they're not eligible for federal contracts or loans. They go to the end of the list. And again, that's just a common sense kind of uh, American worker first idea that everyone agrees with. But getting it passed has been just entirely, uh, entirely too frustrating. Um, states like Mississippi and Alabama have already passed it at a state level, which are very red states. But then New York has also passed it, which is a very blue state. We have that legislation introduced here in Michigan, which I would consider a purple state, but it's stalled out. It won't be brought up for a, for a vote because you'd be hard pressed to vote against it and people don't want to be on the record. And that is, again, very frustrating. So wait a minute. You said Mississippi have passed that? Yeah, Mississippi and Alabama as as red as it gets because when you're when you're talking to to folks about closing down plants or call centers here in the United States and offshoring that work, no one likes it because everyone has has met someone who knows someone who who knows the experiences with people where those places have had those facilities shut down and it's devastating not just to the workers but the the communities as well, the local economies. I mean, it almost decimates entire cities. Wow. I'm trying to think of the representative that I have went and met with. He was out of Macomb. Um, me, Rob, and um, Sean, we met with him. It was during a, a legislative conference. And he was trying to convince me that the call center here need to compete with the call centers overseas. And it was all about competition. And, I mean, we had a really fierce conversation. His his. his Aid called me later on and said that, oh, um, man, I cannot remember his name to save my Paul life. Mitchell. Paul Mitchell. It sure was. It was Paul Mitchell. It was Paul Mitchell. His aide was like, you know, he said, yeah, Paul was like, you gave him a good run for the money, but he's, you know, it's all about competition. Because my argument was I can't compete with somebody that makes a dollar a day. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, I, 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 you know what? You win. You win. I'm not, I, I'm not going to do that. I, my self-worth is more than that, than a dollar a day. You know, I think it is time to shut this down. This kicking this session we had is always great, Charles. Hey, remember, this is Labor Vision, the official podcast of the Michigan State AFL-CIO. I'm your host, James Dennis, and the other host, Charles Daniels. Until next time, Charles, I guess we're out, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Peace out, everybody. Hello and welcome to ETY Podcast, Voices on the World of Work. I'm your host, Bianca Luna Fabris, and in this episode, we will be looking into psychosocial risks with Olse Faliello, researcher here at the ETY. Hi, Ode, and welcome. Well, it's a real pleasure to be invited to discuss about this topic, so thank you for having me. So... I think it would be actually quite helpful to start from a very simple question. So for us lay people, what are psychosocial risks? And it would be actually quite helpful if you could give us a few examples. If it were that easy. Uh, no, first of all, I think it's important to stress that psychosocial risks arise from a lack of prevention 
of risk at work. This is due to a lack of prevention, of collective prevention that will impact individual people. And this lack of prevention, it's about how we design work. It's about how we organize work and about, for example, management. And then this mismanagement will impact the workers negatively, both physically and psychologically. And here I will give you the example you're looking for. We are all familiar with the concept of stress, burnout, workplace bullying. Well, sadly, these are the effects of social risk factors. And these appear because we have mismanaged, for example, excessive workloads, time pressure, conflicting demands and lack of role clarity. We have all been in situations, for example, where there is a group project, right? And your hierarchy or your management designed you or say that you are the one in charge uh, for leading the group, but doesn't give you any real power or real tools or empower you or give you real responsibility, clear responsibility that you are the one in charge. So for example, you have to deal with colleagues who are challenging your role as a leader in the group. As one example, of course, it then giving you far too much tasks that you are able to do, but because of the deadlines piling up and no one wondering lack of communication between different departments, let's say, you are in the situation where you cannot face it or not properly in a relaxed manner. We work at home, but it doesn't only affect digital and office workers, PSR. So who is also affected by PSRs and what sectors are the most prone to this, apart from the sectors that we obviously know? The sectors which report the most cases of, of, of stress, workplace bullying and violence altogether is uh, education, human health and social work activities. Education, you said. Education. Education is really stressful, probably because in many countries in Europe, there is a cut of the resources. So a lot of teachers are actually in situations where they have to take care of, for example, a lot of different kids without the proper means to do so. And also with a lot of different demands uh, and all of this, um, maybe not a lack of training, but a lack of work organization. They are not placed in a situation where they can do properly their job. And that causes huge stress. In terms of actual like hard law, legal provisions, then um, which countries are workers protected by law from PSRs? I wanted to give you some examples, I think, that are showing a bit the, the variety of it. Um, Denmark has adopted an executive order in September 2020, so it's fairly recent, which they provide an obligation to prevent when it comes to the way work is planned and organized, content of work, the way work is performed, and social relation at the workplace. So, and here it's a collective prevention of the individual impact, which is really interesting. But also two countries that have adopted or reviewed their law recently, Estonia, the 2019, where they say that psychosocial risks include work not corresponding to the abilities of the employee, working alone, for example, working or work organization that might affect the mental and physical health, including work-related stress. So you see here, it's interesting, there is mention of psychosocial risks, they link it with stress. On the other side, uh, in Croatia, they start from work-related stress, and then they say that what can cause work-related stress, eat the content of work, work organization, working environment, poor communication, and so on and so forth. And they reviewed this in Croatia in 2021. Thank you so much, Jord. I think it's been a very inspiring and 
yeah, very inspiring podcast episode. So thank you for so much for, for being with us today. And to everyone that is listening, you'll find a few links in the show notes, Odd's recent policy brief, and also a really interesting chapter in the latest edition of Benchmarking Working Europe. And that is it for this edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, a roundup of highlights from just a few of the more than 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We've got links to all the shows you heard today in the show notes for this podcast. You'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org, and you can also find them by using the hashtag Labor Radio Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited this week by Mel Smith and Patrick Dixon. I produce the show, and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. You can find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. And before we go, take just a second, if you would, help us build that sonic solidarity by sharing this show. Just click on the share button. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. For Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show.